Welcome to Chucking a Sickie. This week, I can't go to work because, look, I think I have to come out of retirement and play a game of basketball. And if we win this basketball game, I think I save all of the Looney Tunes. I don't know, Bill Murray, he's coming. It seems like it'll be fun. I'm your host, Harry, and each episode, we invite a very special guest and go through their perfect day off. From the excuse they use to get off work, to the song that sets the tone for the day, their favourite meal, and of course, their adventurous afternoon. A real-life Ferris Bueller's day off. We have a lot of exciting episodes coming up from comedy superstars to bands, playwrights, actors, and hell, maybe even Foghorn Leghorn. But this week, we have a huge bonus episode. I said it was the end of season one. I lied. We got a bonus. Uh, And it's with one of my favorite performers. We have the zestful Zach Zucker. Zach Zucker is a clown and entertainer who's best known for his show Stamptown and his character, the hilarious and quite crazy Jack Tucker. If you have never seen Stamptown, go see it. It's honestly like nothing else. I can't even describe it. Uh, it's wacky. It's great. I saw it in 2019 and I nearly I nearly peed my pants. It, it was fantastic. Zach is coming back to Australia for the first time since 2019 with his Stamptown show. On the 17th of November, he'll be in Sydney with the likes of Tom Walker, Demi Lardner, Michelle Brazer, Guy Montgomery, and maybe even Betty Grumble. And he will also be in Melbourne on the 30th of November with the Stamptown show. Zach's also running workshops in Sydney and Melbourne. I think the Melbourne ones might be sold out, but there are still some spots for the Sydney ones more to be announced there. You can also follow Zach on Instagram at Zach underscore Zucker for all his upcoming gigs and his hilarious content. He's getting pretty good at dancing. Uh, As always, make sure to rate, review and subscribe. It really means a lot to us. But for now, pull out that thermometer and get ready to call your boss because it's time for chucking a sickie. Chuck a sickie. Welcome, Zach Zucker, to chucking a sickie. Awesome. Let's go. Look, let's let's get into the mindset uh, of your perfect day. We need to start off with the worst job you've ever had. So tell me, what is the worst job that you've ever had to do? Probably being a comedian. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We've actually never had that before. <laughs> yeah, probably being a comedian is the worst job I've ever had. You know, it's a pathetic way to live. You know, you're constantly just groveling for laughs and other people's approval. Almost nobody understands <laughs> you. Difficult to make connections. I have no sustained romances. My friendships are fleeting. My family members uh, don't really approve of what I like and what I do. And, you know, um, there's a big chance I never make it. So, yeah, honestly, being a comedian is the worst fucking job in the world. (laughs) You're really selling it. You're really, really selling it. For for those that didn't listen to the intro, Zach is a fantastic comedian. But I think you're probably better known for being, being a clown, right? Yes. I actually don't really consider myself a comedian. That's been something I've been, like, talking about lately with people where, like, you know, I guess I say clown for simplicity's sake, or maybe I've been leaning more into entertainer or performer. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, it's, it's cringe because it's like I don't, I don't know how to like stand and deliver jokes. It's a, it's a, it's a weird one. You know, I guess like, a, like it, it's a weird job to be. Um, you know, one of my least favorite things that like I've still not found the cure for or the way that I want to handle it is when people are like, oh, you're a comedian, tell me a joke, and it's like, well, I'm like a physical comedian. And I, and I don't really have jokes. So it's like, not only do I go from like ruining the mood of being able to like lighten the <laughs> the scenario, it's like, oh, remember how I told you I'm this thing? I'm actually, well, I can't really do what you asked. But also, <laughs> no one ever is like, oh, you're an accountant? Please, accountize me, you know? Give me give me a freaking audit. That's like, true. Audit me That's right now. very true. <laughs> but I wish I had jokes. I, I recently opened for a, a sick comedian and like I did a little tour with him and it was very clear about you know, 30 seconds in without any of my sound effects or the music that I work with or any of my clowns, you know, hiding in the wings. I'm like, oh shit, dude, I really got nothing, man. I'm all smoking mirrors. Like, <laughs> I don't have a joke to say yeah. in my life. <laughs> well, this is something that I actually wanted to speak about because a lot of your show is very physical comedy. It's very like improvised. I mean, this kind of, you know, you're going to hit the points each time, but how did you even decide that this was something that you wanted to do? Um, you know, I didn't really, it's funny. I just came out of a dinner with my agent and he was, he basically said something where he was like, I like to work with people who really couldn't do anything else. And I was like, all right, kind of the, I mean, I loved it, obviously. (laughs) Perfect, perfect backhanded compliment. But I'm like, I don't, I don't think I can do anything else. You know, I have no post-secondary education. I've got no real skill or drive or motivation or 
talents. I kind of just like, I kind of just, this is all I've got. And so that adds to the desperation and the humiliation of being a comedian who's not a comic. Um, but I just, you know, I, I think it's one of those things, if I'm answering honestly, it's like you can kind of say, oh, I had no idea or I always knew. It just depends how you want to phrase it. Like I played sports growing up and I loved to perform in front of the crowd and I loved the theatricality more than the uh, comp competition. I loved competition and competitiveness. But like as I got older, I stopped caring about like winning and losing and more it was like, oh, my God did you see the way I spun around and my toe was pointed as I tricked this man or whatever it was, you know? And, <laughs> yeah. and, and it's like, I look back and yeah. I'm like, oh, I'm, I'm wearing a lot. I, I was much more of the look good. You got to look good to play good type of person where, you know, mm. I'm like wearing all these different like armbands and I've got like paint under my eyes. And I'm like, Oh dude, I was just <laughs> like so gay. And I didn't even know it. You know, it was just like a young bisexual budding in, in, in a, in a hetero world. Yeah. You've got, you've got sh like shooting sleeves, even though you're playing football, you know, <laughs> like it just doesn't make any sense. Fully. Oh dude. And I, and I still have all the shooting sleeves. You better believe it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this is something that I was going to ask later in the show. Uh, but seeing as we're speaking about shooting sleeves, I want to bring it up now. I know that you have a dream. I've heard that you have a dream of performing at every NBA halftime show. Um, how's that gone so far? Have you managed to, uh, to, to make it in the halftime shows yet? Dude, that's so funny. How did you, where did you hear that? Uh, Cause that is true. I, yeah, I know. I did a bit of research and, um, I, I heard it on, on one of the interviews you gave, uh, you mentioned it and it just stuck with me. I'm like, this is, this is incredible. Cause like imagining Jack Tucker doing a halftime show is, oh, is pretty hilarious. Yeah. Well, funny enough, man, we actually, um, we meet me and my comedy partner, Vigo, Vigo Van, who's the Norwegian who won Britain's Got Talent this year, who is the most talented man in the entire kingdom, ex, an export from uh, Scandinavia. Yeah. But we, we love basketball and yeah. I played basketball growing up and it was one of our dreams to do a halftime tour where we did every single halftime show in the NBA for all 30 teams. And we would like, we wanted to film a documentary in there. Our dream was to shoot Vigo out of a cannon. It still is yeah. our dream. We will do it. We haven't got there yet, but we will. Yeah. But after Vigo won Britain's Got Talent, um, there's a team, the San Antonio Spurs, their mascot is called Coyote. And he's like a famous yeah. mascot. I won't reveal his real identity, but if he does listen to this, he was a wonderful, wonderful, kind man. Yeah. Um, and I, and basically Coyote, saw Vigo on TikTok after Britain's Got Talent. My brother runs his TikTok <laughs> and no way. Uh, he was going mega viral on there and he put him in touch with like the San Antonio Spurs um, uh, head of like programming, this wonderful woman named Ashley and Ashley reached out to Vigo and booked Vigo to be the <laughs> opening night performer for this year's NBA season. And not only was that just wild in its own right, but there's this new French sensation, this guy, Victor Wembenyama, yeah, who's Victor. like the seven foot, yeah. maybe three or seven foot five. Yeah. Dude, Wemby, man. He's like a, he's a 19 year old Parisian kid. Who's like the next, like there hasn't been as, as hyped of a prospect since, you know, LeBron. So we mm. in are, are in history as we Vigo was asked to do this. And like, you know, a lot of people are asking him now, he, I mean, he got rich, he made a ton of money and everyone's like asking him for stuff. And I'm like, dude, I don't need anything from you. I don't need any money. I don't want nothing. But man, it's been our dream to do this. Like you got to let me come. Perform <laughs> yeah, you, you got to do pay it. me. You don't even have to fly me out there. Yeah. Just like, I got to come perform with you, dude. And, and we did it and it was amazing. No and way. I got to fucking dance with the cheerleaders and we got to do some like old Zach and Vigo bits, dude. Yeah, it was oh my God. everything. It was all, it was like truly a dream come true. And, and it was like to be able to get there, you know, nine years later was a remarkable feat. And we've got a few more offers and I would love to do more. It just depends on his schedule. Um, if you could believe it, I'm way less busy than he is. So, uh, yeah. I am ready to do these halftime shows, but, yeah. um, yeah, I would love to do I would love to do more. It it was it was remarkable. That is actually probably the most incredible thing I ever heard. Um I'm so glad that you got to do it, especially on Wemby's opening night. Um I'm a huge basketball fan myself. <sighs> Dude, so I can go. only imagine how it would have been uh with Greg Popovich watching glare, glaring at you from the sidelines as as Dude. he as he often does. It's awesome. It's awesome. I mean, look, look, let's chat basketball too and if you play when I'm in town, let's play some ball, but I I, like pop was there it was spurs night you know yeah, david okay. robinson's there fucking like tim duncan mono ginobili yeah. all these people are all there and like vigo's doing tearaways oh, and all these wow, spurs jerseys yeah. dude nle choppa the rapper was like right next to us <laughs> in the videos that we filmed like we got to shoot hoops and play one-on-one -on, -one on the court and like 
you know oh my god we were just running around the whole place like man it was it was wild we were trying to get richard jefferson and jj reddick to like stick around and watch and <laughs> to get in yeah, uh, the, yeah, the, yeah, the, for the people who aren't basketball fans they were like the espn commentators watching the game yeah but it was awesome. It was an amazing experience. You're going to have to send me this video. I've got to find it somewhere because I cannot wait to watch it. <laughs> I think you've you've just lived my dream. Oh, dude, the whole halftime show is on, on YouTube. Um, and the funniest part about it is like, I, after this, I went on tour with David Cross for a few nights. And he's, again, like another person who's been like just like a wonderful uh, mentor, dare I say, and just somebody who's really been kind to me and looked out to me when he has no reason to do anything of the kind. And But he is. And... Um, it was it was so funny because the nights that I've done like I've done four shows with him in my life, and those four shows have been the biggest venues I've ever played. It was like seven hundred, nine hundred, nine hundred, and a thousand one hundred seats. Yeah. But to come back from playing eighteen thousand people to then play seven hundred yeah. people, I'm like, this yeah. is nothing. You guys have no idea the crowd I played to yeah, last night. Yeah. You know, like it was it was it was amazing. Yeah. It was truly an exhilarating feeling that I will never forget. Yeah, that's incredible. Did you get to meet Wemby? And his seven foot five, uh, or what is it, eight point eight foot one wingspan? Oh, dude, I I wish we we were kept at bay from the players. Everyone was like freaking out, and they were all like, "This is the biggest thing ever. This is like having Elvis here." And I'm like, "All right, like chill out, y'all. Y'all just you haven't had much to do in San Antonio for a few years. I understand this is really cool, <laughs> yeah. but like, dude, also, what, what are we gonna do? You think yeah. we're gonna like fucking jump this guy? I just want to be like, yo, let me speak a little French to him." Let me say what's up. <laughs> Try and get him to come and watch the halftime show. That's yeah. all we wanted to do, you know? Yeah, yeah. Nothing nothing major. I mean, he is seven foot five. You're probably not trying to, like, jump a seven foot five, no. 19 year old. No, no. But just to be clear, I could. I just am choosing not to, oh. out of respect. <laughs> yeah. yeah, of course, of course. He's the next big thing. You would, it'd be rude to, you know, it'd be demoralizing for no, him. No, 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 no. Um, I. <laughs> I guess now's probably a good as time as ever. I know that you do a lot of shows with Vigo, but something that you're doing at the moment, obviously, is Stamp Town, which is what you're bringing to Sydney. For those that haven't seen it, how would how would you describe, I would say, this uh, out-of-body experience? Um, well, it depends who you ask. If you ask um, critically esteemed uh, world's toughest comedy critic and a personal favorite of ours, Steve Bennett, he would say it's the past, present, and future of variety and late-night comedy rolled into one. But if you ask conservative journalist Dick Bath from the Scottish Field, he would say it's as funny as anthrax, and uh, you should run as fast as you can if anybody ever tells you to go to a Stamptown show. <laughs> so to me, it lives somewhere in between the two, and both oh, wow. of those are the truth at the same yeah, time. Um, Dick Bath should not be uh, a journalist. That is an unfortunate, unfortunate name for someone that's giving reviews like that. His fifth, to be fair, his name is Richard Bath. We just called him Dick yeah. Bath. <laughs> it was too easy, you know? Yeah, I have no doubt. I, I know that you also um, like thrive off sometimes when they when you get negative reviews. When things go wrong, I feel like that's when Stamptown is at its like absolute peak. Um, I guess in the shows that you've done so far... Yeah. What, what has been the thing that has gone like the most wrong that you've just reveled? In a way where we like were able to salvage it and enjoy it or a way that like really, you know, alter the night for a negative. Um, <laughs> let's say, let's keep it positive. Let's say salvage and enjoy it opposed to, cause I, I know there's, yeah. I know there's been times where people have tried to fight you after a show. So let's try it. Let's try and keep it, keep it positive. <laughs> <laughs> man sometimes i hear people tell talk back or like tell back stories from our lives and careers and i'm like god i think we're maybe we're pretty fucked up which yeah. <laughs> oh, is tip of the iceberg oh tip of the iceberg baby you know speaking of which probably when we played the titanic that was probably the worst that was probably the you know the best and worst gig you know to play the titanic as it was going down was one hell of an experience yeah. and i know people might be saying you guys aren't that old you'd be hundreds of years and i'm like Queen, when you're Nepo babies like us and you've got family in the uh, genetics and the DNA cryogenic field, literally anything is possible. Yeah. Girl. <laughs> 1912 was just yesterday, you know, no dramas at all. Exactly. It depends. It depends who you're asking. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but yeah, for us, like it's, um, I mean, for the people who don't know the show, the show's a variety show um, and it's a, it's a circus variety show held together by clowns. Um, and, you know, there's all different all different elements to it there's constant characters and bits and people popping out it's a fun ensemble of people who all just like love each other and trust each other and to me it's like the most talented people in the world doing the stupid stupidest shit with their talent but it's it's kind of clown 101 what i why i love the art form so much versus like i guess your traditional theater and stand up and not to like broad stroke paint everybody is the same but it's like 
I tend to have noticed in my life if a curtain falls down or a microphone doesn't work or the lights go out or something bad were to happen, performers kind of panic mm. and they're like, it's not supposed to happen. But yeah. to me, it's like, dude, that's a gift. For the clown, it's a gift if there's a mistake. Because it's a miracle anytime we land on anything that's funny enough to do again or say or even do once. So if you have something that happens that interrupts you, whatever this stupid shit is that you're doing that doesn't mean anything and isn't going anywhere, it's like, well, this is now the funniest thing in the room and this is the biggest focus. So like this wasn't in a stamp town, but I remember a show that we did at Melbourne Comedy Festival in 2019 at the Greek Center with Zach and Vigo on night one where um, unfortunately we were accused by the venue of the fact we had a weird time with the festival that year. It, it was unfortunate, but they accused us of tearing down the venue, but the venue just like fell like the curtain of the back curtain just fell down. Yeah. Wow. And right behind it was all of the signage for the venue. So it was like, you know, Greek center this way, all this stuff this way. It's all of our costumes and props. Yeah. There was like a, a tech person just eating back there. And it's like, well, are we just going to pretend that this didn't happen? Or are we going to play with this hilarious miracle? And so Vigo just started, you know, being the funniest person in the world that he is and just started launching his body over the curtain, which was about maybe like three to five feet off the ground, which oh, I don't wow. know what the hell that is in meters. It's, one to yeah, two. Like what, it's like one to 1.5. Hi. One and a half. Yeah. One and a half. Yeah. And it was just just kept running over and like jumping over, <laughs> over this curtain over and over and over again. And he did it for about, I'm not exaggerating, probably 16, 17 minutes oh my God. consistently. Yeah. And then would bring it back for the rest of the show. Yeah. And it was like, it was genius. And you know, the crowd loved it. We, I had a blast. I mean, I, I'm like living my dream, watching this guy be the funniest person ever. And then I start jumping over it. And of course, when I jump over it, nobody laughs. Yeah. And I come up and they're all, I'm all bummed. And Vigo pops out and jumps over it again. And they go crazy. And it's like, dude, that's, you just play what's happening. And it was like, to those people that night, they go and tell their friends and they're like, you know, what'd you see? Oh, I saw the show with these two clowns and they, like a curtain fell down and they just jumped over a curtain for 20 minutes. And you're yeah. like, that doesn't sound funny. And you're like... I, I know, but I swear it yeah. is, and that's that's a lot of uh, that's a lot of um, what people who do our shows have. There's a lot of a lot of work that people that see our shows have to do, and um, I appreciate every time they try and explain it. <laughs> it's it's so true because I've I've seen Stamp Down, um, Stamp Town, and I, I don't know how to explain it except the thing that really stuck out to me was American Woman. And if I explain to someone like I saw a show and then just randomly they'd play American Woman and I I would like be in tears. They'd be like that makes no sense. But I'm like you have to be there because it is it's the most engaging performance I've seen in a really long time. Man, I appreciate that. It's fun. You know, I love to do it. Obviously, it's uh, it's 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 my favorite thing in the world. And you know, I love to play with my friends. I'm thankful. I'm surrounded by so many talented individuals and. You know, we always say like we're I think everybody is amazing on their own. And when you get us all together in an ensemble, we just like really lift each other up. And, you know, the sum of all of our parts is just remarkable. And I'm, I'm just thankful to be a part of it. Well, I mean, the lineup that you have for your Sydney show as well is absolutely incredible. This is like the all stars of like people that are just wacky and hilarious. Like, because this is right? very similar to the, the lineup that you had when I saw as well. And honestly, one of the best comedy shows I've ever seen. Dude, that, I mean, that Sydney lineup was a banger. I remember that one, 2019 mm -hmm. in Redfern at the Giant Dwarf. Yeah. Dude, the Giant yeah. Dwarf, I'll, I'll never, for, never forget that. And we had, I think Cambo was on Cambo was on that lineup as yes. well. Yeah, of course. Was Aaron Chen on the show too, or was he gone by then? I don't think Aaron Chen was, but Sam Campbell definitely was. Actually, I think maybe Aaron Chen was in a Hawaiian shirt from memory. Yes. That's what I'm like. And, and I'm like trying to remember, was, like, was Jordan Brooks on the show? I'm like, there was one or two other people. It was, it was Brendan McLean, I think, was on. He's the an Australian pop star. Um, but yeah, dude, I mean, that's what it is. It's like, we, you know, I felt for a little bit, we didn't do the show in America and it's like no dig on them, but it's like, there weren't enough funny people out here that we wanted to use. And I don't want to just book anybody just because we'll book a name. It's like, we're, we're around a bunch of cool people and there's some like big names that have done the show, but like, it's not a, it, it's not a stand up show. It's not a lineup show. It's a, it's a true wackadoo in the words of Sam Campbell, a wackadoo, uh, variety show. And, it, and it's just, it's all these freaks doing their thing. And it's like, if you don't have that, then, you know, it's not the show. Like there's ver like, I'm going to have to do a pared down version of it. Cause like Johnny's not there and Dylan's not there and Vigo won't be there and Josh Glanz won't be there. But again, I've still got Tom and Demi and I'm the reason I'm coming to Australia in the first place. I've been trying to come back for years. Uh, I just couldn't figure it out with my, my schedule. And I was just like nervous that we, you know, wouldn't sell, but Tom and Demi are getting ma married and I'm one of Thomas three co-best men. And he asked me to be one of his best men, <laughs> which I am. Awesome. Yeah, dude, I, I, we went to clown school together and I looked up to him so much and he's, 
I'm, we got to do a duo show together and we've lived together a bunch of times and I've traveled with him all over the world. And I, I love him so much. So to, to be a part of this is a very special, a very special weekend for us. Well, I feel like their wedding though would either be really wacky or really serious. And I feel like you as a celebrant there as Jack Tucker could, uh, could really lead to the marriage not happening at all. Look, you know, if I play my cards right, I will stop them from committing <laughs> yeah. sin. Yeah, oh, good. I'm so glad. Um, that that obviously leads to Jack Tucker. Can you explain to people, like, how he came to be? Because this is obviously your alter ego, um, who you play a lot of the time in, in these stamp towns. Yeah, so Tucker came from... Um, well, me and Vigo had a hard time getting booked because people just said, like, what we did wasn't comedy, and so they just, like, wouldn't book us. Like, I remember very explicitly... Backyard comedy and top secret comedy in the UK, these fucking loser comedy <laughs> venues that like, you know, book abusers and I'll, I'll leave it at that because yeah. um, this is a positive. We're going to be positive. But it was all these people that were just like they, they were just they were just telling us like what we did wasn't comedy and then it wouldn't work. And it's like, well, either I'm insane or the run of shows that I just did that were going really well and pretty critically acclaimed and we won a bunch of awards together it looks like people are enjoying it and they're not as stupid as you think. And it's like, it's not <laughs> yeah. funny just because someone has a mic, like stand-up's the most digestible version of comedy, but it doesn't mean that it's the funniest or that it's the best. There is no right one way to do it. I have my personal opinions and beliefs of what I think is the most fun way to like present performance. You know, I'm really inspired by Tim Heidecker, you know, Tim and Eric and Greg Turkington who does Neil Hamburger and Andy Daly has a, has a, an alter ego that he does as well. And like, it's just a lot of really funny people. And I was like, well, I think bad comedy and cringe is, is really funny. There's like an old video on YouTube, like early classic YouTube videos. There's this girl at a talent show who does like a ventriloquist thing. And they're like, we always call it, you go Candace. Cause there's a moment in the middle where she's like, she's like, I'm pussing out, I'm pussing out. And she eventually leaves. And some of the crowd goes, you go Candace, you got this girl. And then she eventually leaves. And we were like, how can we create something that's like, that feels like you go Candace. And so I saw Tim Heidecker and uh, Neil Hamburger do a split bill, a 30 minute or an hour long show where they did 30 minutes each in 2017 or in 28, yeah, 2017 with my comedy partner, Johnny and Steen Riscopolis, funny enough. Um, and we, I just was blown away. I had never seen anything like it. And, you know, this blended reality of what is real, what is fake to me. I, I always prefer, like, I want people to enjoy it. I want everybody to enjoy our work. I don't ever want anyone to not like it. But mm. when a few people don't like it or don't get it or just are not into it or, like, really don't like it, that enhances the comedy for everybody else because then <laughs> these people get angry that they're not understanding why everybody else is laughing. And everybody else who's laughing is like, look at this moron who's not, <laughs> who thinks that this guy with his freaking – fly undone and toilet paper sticking out of his shoe and a rusted yeah. wedding ring and an open shirt covered in stains is a real guy. It's like, the fuck, what the fuck is wrong with you guys, you know? Um, and so I just started doing bad stand-up. And I remember the first time I tried it was in Paris. And then, you know, there was one thing led to another. I know the whole etymology of it and how we got there. Just like, I guess the origin story, not the etymology. But like, it just, it just started from, it would be fun to do bad stand-up. And as I started to perform more without Vigo, because we just were, our careers were going different places with like, Vigo booked this Norwegian thing and the, the show in Norway. And, you know, I had some stuff going on in America and it was just harder to um, rely on the double act all the time. I was like, well, we should start developing stuff on our own. And I just, I, I thought, well, I want to get booked as a stand-up more. So let me just do a bad stand-up character. And we, you know, slowly built it and really built, like, you know, I did it for the first times in Paris and in the UK and then I got to workshop it a bit in New York and LA, but it wasn't until we hit Australia 2019 where we did Adelaide, Melbourne, and Sydney, where I really like, that's where the character was born and the show was made. And I am forever grateful to the Australian audience for that. Yeah, it's interesting with that because you say that, you know, some people don't get it and it's true. Like people go in and they think it's serious, then they're probably not going to enjoy themselves. But I know that people also tend to walk out of the show because they just, it just goes over their head. Well, first off, I'd like to say, um, uh, hypothetically, no, well, or no one's ever walked out of the show. Everybody loves it. Every show's a standing ovation. But <laughs> hypothetically, if there were people that have walked out, I would say that there have been in the year 2019 alone, I think it was like 389 people across the 80, 90 shows that we did, oh, wow. including 75 in Australia, <laughs> hypothetically speaking, um, 40 on the 4th of July in London, 
where I may or may not have thrown, uh, I may or may not have purchased 50 McDonald's hamburgers and cheeseburgers and thrown them in the crowd to celebrate my culture. And I remember allegedly, hypothetically, throwing a cheeseburger into the crowd where it unwrapped and the burger split from the bun and a, and just a dead burger patty landed on a guy's bald head. And that was pretty funny, allegedly, in my dreams, if this were to have happened. Yeah, it's like if we said hypothetically, uh, you ran naked through the gardens of Prague in the, UA- in the UK embassy, but that would all be hypothetical, right? That never would have happened in real life. No, that, that, that shit was real. No, that was real. That one I 100% <laughs> did. I did I, and I am not ashamed of it. I am proud. I, I asked very explicitly the permission and consent of the ambassadress, and I said, excuse me, miss, it is my dream to run naked through a government building. Would you let me run naked through here? And she went, Ooh, I don't know. And I was like, just a little bit. And she was like, fine, just a little bit. And I pulled my pants down and I went, Brexit, Brexit, Brexit. You all have to go back home soon. And the festival director was chasing after me. And he knocked over an ice sculpture, but he was playing along. And the, the only reason we did it was because we got asked to perform at this embassy. And we weren't going to get naked, but the festival director um, was a little inappropriate with me and made some inappropriate comments. So and I was like, all right, well, if you're going to hit on me, well, I'm going to keep getting naked at your events in front of you and your boyfriend. <laughs> yeah. and his boyfriend had the sense of humor of a spoon. And so when we did, we were asked to um, do this embassy gig. They sent out an email to all the acts that were performing and they were like, and please, boys, not pointing fingers, stamp town boys, please don't get naked. And it's like, well, we weren't going to get naked <laughs> until you said this. But now that you said this, I feel like I got to get naked. Now you have and then to. after, yeah, exactly. And then after the show, um, uh, the cool festival director, this woman, uh, Carol, I believe is her name. She came up to me and she went, I'm glad you did it. I was hoping you would. And gave me a nice big hug. And I was like, that's the shit right <laughs> yeah. there. And the ambassadors actually helped me get funding for a future show. So it kind of worked oh, out. That's awesome. They clearly like what they saw when you're running through the garden. Look, that's what I'm saying. Now you have to get out of work for the day. <laughs> so what excuse would you use to get out of work? Probably something like, oh, my pee-pee's on fire. I can't come to work. I should probably go to the doctor hospital. This seems really, really bad. And then if they say, prove it, I'd be like, whoa, pervert. Absolutely not. <laughs> you don't get to ask me this question if I don't want to talk about it. And you kind of just do that whole classic. You know, that that's a classic one people love to do. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, it's worked for me every time. You're telling me the excuse you would use is I have chlamydia or gonorrhea, so I have to go to the doctor. And if you ask me to show you, well, then that's sexual harassment. It's, you know, it's not happening. Oh, oh no, I meant literally my dick is on fire. Not like it hurts <laughs> on fire. It's like, yeah, my dick is on fire. So I can't go to work today because my penis is on fire classic it's It's just like you've never experienced that before (laughs) (laughs) look i get it i i've i feel like i've never i've never gotten naked anytime on stage and been like yo i'm so happy with how i look right now always every time i'm nervous (laughs) and i am um i am neither growing nor showing and it is uh it's it's upsetting there was actually even a little rumor my my comedy partner johnny who's a fucking bastard a bunch of people came up to him and were like yo is it does zach have a micro penis and he just told everybody yeah because he thought it was funny and then that genuine rumor went around for like a year and i was like i'm a fucking micro penis dude you get nervous and your nuts shrink and your penis gets goes up into your tummy because that's biologically what god wants i can't control what the old bastard wants here you know you gotta just rock with it. Look, I've I've never thought about or got naked on stage, so I can only imagine how it would be, and I can imagine all the bits are going inside you, um, and not wanting to show it for sucks. the crowd. That's for sure. Yeah. Oh yeah, it sucks. It sucks every single time. It's never been like uh, I'm. I'm never. I'm never like yo again. I'm thrilled at how I look right now. <laughs> yeah. And yet you continue to get naked and run around the stage. Uh, so, you know, it's more it's more balls than I think I'll ever have. Look, well, if you have if you have more than two, then you've got more balls than I'll ever have. <laughs> yeah, that's very true. <laughs> now, you've got to start off the day just right because it's not a big night. It's a, a big day. We have a, a drink called Baraka Performance, which is like a buzz, bubbly drink that perks you up for the day um what song would you use to start off the day just right there's a song by a rapper called crit mac called never commit suicide and it's an anthem about self-love 
And that's probably, that's the, that's the song that I, honest to God, I listened to that song and a song called I'm so blessed by a, a Christian rock group called Kane that we heard at seven in the morning on zero hours sleep flying from Austin to Los Angeles while we were still kind of tripping a little bit, allegedly. Yeah. And, um, allegedly. that song is healing. Uh, I never commit suicide is a, is an, is an anthem and I'm so blessed is a, is a, is a, a, a yeah, a, a transformative experience. And if you listen to them side by side, it's like, that's like candy flipping music style. That's like, that's like MD and acid together, you know? Together. Yeah. I'm, I'm so blessed. I mean, a Christian rock band, all I'm thinking is like gospel singing. I mean, what is, what is the sound of a Christian rock band? Well, I guess this one's more of like, they're not so much a rock band as it is. Um, they're like, I, it's kind of a, it's, I think it's actually a family band of like sycophantic Christians. Like the people who like have like God throwing, flowing through them and they're like, and they just look like they're about to explode. Like they look like their insides yeah. are too big for their outsides and they're just not doing well. <laughs> maybe been in a cult, you know? Oh, maybe they are. They, they, every moment of their life is a cult and it feels <laughs> yeah. um, very uncomfortable to be around them. And so we would play, we started playing that song. I, I recently started dancing. I work at like a dance studio and I, I like desperately, my dream is to be a dancer now. And I did. I actually signed with a dance agent today, which is crazy. And my my agents are confused by this, but I love oh, that's it. Awesome! Congratulations. Thank you, thank you. Um, but a lot of the dancers are like, you know, I, I have no religious qualms at all. You know, do whatever you want to do as long as you're not causing any harm or you know fucking up other people's lives. But like, a lot of dancers are really religious in a way that for people who like really know how to like shake their ass like on another level, I like. I do find it very funny that they also like love God, you know? <laughs> and, and so at this particular show, there was a lot of them there who did not at all see the irony in this. So you have a lot of people laughing, knowing that this is uh, not a joke. It's just not real. It says not me. Um, and then a lot of people being like, cool. Like, welcome. <laughs> nice. We got a Jew. We, we took this Jew and we converted him to being a, a, a God-loving Christian. And I was like, <laughs> no, it was just a prank to heal Dylan out of a wheelchair so he could uh, do a little Charleston and do some shuffling while everybody leaves. And uh, boy, they didn't <laughs> like that either. But that is my no, anthem and I stick to it. Yeah, I mean, it is. I think I've seen your dance videos. You're getting pretty good at it, to be honest. Dude, I, I love it, man. I'm getting, I think I'm doing all right. And like, I barely, you know, I've only been taking classes for like a year but in that year i've only really taken like five six months of class and like my only regret is i just i wish i wasn't traveling all the time so i could take more but i will be taking some class in sydney which i'm very excited oh about. that is cool look i'm excited for you to bust out your dance moves at stamp town as well uh and hopefully we hear some some christian uh anthems crip mac never heard of them before uh a rapper are they American? Like, are they are performing still? Yes. So Crip Mac is, um, he's a Crip who lives on 55th Street in LA. And if you're familiar with this, uh, a, an interviewer, comedian, journalist, this guy, Andrew Callahan, who does a show called Channel 5, which used to be called All Gas, No Breaks. He brought Crip Mac to our attention um, by interviewing him. And then Crip Mac's become like part of the Channel 5 universe. Oh, Okay. And, um, so he like, he's a true crip. Like he doesn't say bees cause you know, crips and bloods are obviously, uh, at, at war at all times and yeah. they don't like each other. <laughs> so he, instead of saying like bitches, he says sitches instead of saying burger, he says Kurger or like Serger, like cheese Kurger. And he says like, instead of like, uh, like a book, he'll say a cook. Like he just, he's a full crip through and through. Um, but his whole thing is, uh, he calls a lot of people busters but he doesn't say Buster. He says Custers. So he says suicide, some Custer shit. <laughs> never commit suicide. Never kill yourself. Never give up. Um, it's um, like everything going to see all right is a lot of things that he says as well, too, instead of everything going to be all right. Everything going to see all right. And so yeah. we say that to ourselves all the time whenever we're, whenever we're feeling down. It's like, well, hey, everything going to see all right. And then we laugh and sing the song, and then it brings you a good mood, and then all of a sudden you forgot what you were sad about. Yeah, I mean, I didn't realize the Bloods and the Crips were still a thing. And I definitely did not realize that uh, Crips don't say B at all, which I feel like could really lead to some uncomfortable situations with certain words. Yeah, dude, and Bloods, and bloods don't say C. Instead of saying, instead of saying cock, they'll say bach. Or like, instead of coolin, <laughs> they'll say boolin. Or like, you know, I'm just booling with the bomies. Like, it's just, it's just... Oh, it's confusing. It, it is. It's very, especially if you don't know if you're talking to a Crip or a Blood, then you have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> 
Chukasiki. Now, you have to go for your perfect meal. So I know that you travel around all the time, but from your, uh, you've lived in LA for a while. Where would you go in your local area for your perfect meal? Um, to me, there's, it's, that's a no-brainer. It's a taco spot. It's called Taco Zone, and that's in my immediate area. It's in the parking lot of the Vons off of Alvarado and Glendale Boulevard, I believe. But more specifically, specifically, my favorite taco spot in the world is my buddy Juanito, who lives in City Terrace, Juanito's Tacos. That is my guy. Ya tu sabes si, si sabes lo que estoy diciendo. Por favor, venga a los Juanito's Tacos. He's got the best tacos in the world the best host dude i um i'll keep our details minimal but he's a really wonderful friend his wife is amazing his kids are amazing his family's amazing and he makes the best fucking food in the world and that is my last meal before i leave la and it's my first meal when i come back no questions asked so it's not right next to you but it's close enough that you will go there before and after you come to and from la yeah as long as he's out like sometimes he's just not out there if he doesn't want to um, but if he's, if he isn't, then I walk to a place called taco zone. That's like an eight minute walk away. It's like two blocks, okay. but they're just big LA blocks. <laughs> uh, yeah. What's your go-to taco? Probably when I'm out here, I eat al pastor. Cause it's like the best. It's that, you know, it's pork with pineapple, man. It's just unbelievable. Mm. Pork and pineapple. What a great That's what stops me from getting the muscles that I want because I got, I got, dude, yeah, I got, I got a little, I got it right here. I got my little pork and pineapple pouch that I carry with me at all times because yeah. I can't give it up. It's too delicious. Yeah. For emergency situations, of course. And are you, are you a chili guy? Are you, are you uh, putting some oh, yeah. Tabasco on that as well? Oh, dude, you'll never catch me eating Tabasco. Fuck no. <laughs> but <laughs> okay. I do love, I do love uh, salsas and I do like chili. Um, if I am going to use a hot sauce, I'll go Tapatio or Cholula. If it's basic brands and it's like more, you know, commercial brands. Uh, otherwise, I'm going with that aguacate or I'm going like some red and green salsa, some salsa verde, some salsa roja. Or um, there's like a, like a uh, fucking hell, what's it called? Like a, like the pica cebolla. It's like a, like a spicy onion, jalapeno, serrano pepper, like pimiento, like yeah. nice, like yeah. pepper mix um, as well. And that's like. It's like purple and orange and that shit like clears you out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's your vendetta against Tabasco? What have they what have they done wrong to you? Doesn't taste doesn't taste anything. It doesn't make anything taste better and it has no taste. It's a to me it's the diarrhea of 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 sauce. I dare I daren't even call it a hot sauce because it doesn't it there's nothing I've ever had like nothing that should be eaten where you're like, I gotta put Tabasco on this should be eaten in the first place. And if you yeah. are it's like it's not going to make it taste better. So that is my personal vendetta with Tabasco. It just feels like it feels like you're drinking liquid shit. Yeah, and I feel like it comes out the same way that it comes in, uh, which is the worst part of it. Oh yeah, absolutely. In a bottle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, how'd you know? <clears throat> if you could go anywhere in the world for your favorite meal. Where would you go? Mm, there was a place in India that we went to. Let me find it. It's in Mumbai. It was a vegetarian Indian spot. I went out in 2020. Um, and I went to uh, Mumbai. We were supposed to do Mumbai, Bangalore, and Delhi. My buddy Sam, Samendra Singh, shout out to Samendra Singh, brought us out there. Um, and I am to this day the first and only international comedian at that comedy club. It's called That oh, wow. Comedy Club. Um, in, in Mumbai, uh, which was a dream, you know, and it was just like a fucking the coolest experience of my life. And they were the nicest people ever. And how I describe it was every time that I fell down on stage, they would run after me, uh, to help <laughs> and pick me up because they thought I was yeah. really hurt. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Cause I was going to ask how the reception was with that crowd. Cause obviously, um, you know, I feel like it would have been quite a different culture, uh, cultural experience um, to the Australian crowd, for example. Well, they've also like, they weren't like allowed to do comedy until like 11 years ago. So like, it's a totally brand really? new art form out there. Like it wasn't like, le it wasn't like legal. No, they weren't like allowed to do that. Oh, wow. <laughs> so they're all, and they're amazing, dude. Some of my favorite comedians in the world are from India. Biswa Kalyan Rath, Tarang Hardikar, Uruj, who just won the newcomer at Edinburgh this year. Um, fucking uh, Anurban Dasgupta. 
I feel like it would have been so interesting for Jack Tucker to be performing in India. Like, think about it. 10 years of comedy is what they've had legally there. To have someone like Jack Tucker would have been a shock to their system. But I feel like they would have gotten so around it as as a, as an audience. Yeah. Well, that was the thing. It was like, they were telling me, they were like, we've never seen anybody use lights and and stand up before or sound, let alone both and let alone to the extent that we did. And that was just like a cool, you know, you don't have to like, it's just that was, it was cool to be, um, you know, doing something new that they're not, that they hadn't seen yet that I found really exciting. Uh, and I, I don't take that for great. I don't take that for granted that we got to be able to like be for some people the way that, you know, all, so many individuals and talented, wonderful individuals are for us, you know, something that they had not seen before, you know, like how often you get to say, I haven't seen that before. Um, and they're all, such brilliant joke writers what i loved too is they all uh all the comedians that we watched blended english and hindi in whichever dialect that they were was native to them that they were speaking and they were crossing between languages in a way that was so beautifully like to me comedy is all rhythm it's all rhythm based that's what like we say timing is it's just it's like if there's a metronome to the scene and it's like this you get to decide how you like want to hit this and that's you know how i see dance and stuff too but like um, I, I try, you know, I speak Spanish and French and I tried to like weave as much, um, you know, different language in between. And at this clown school, Goliath, you know, they, um, they, uh, you, we, we would do scenes in multiple languages. So we, I remember we did like a Romeo and Juliet scene that we turned into a dance battle and it was like Benvolio was Japanese. Tybalt was a French girl. Yeah. Romeo was a German guy. I think I was Mercutio and like Juliet was uh, speaking Mandarin. And it was like, what if, you know, you don't, you don't need to know what everybody's saying if the game is clear. Um, and I just loved, I just loved how they moved through the languages together. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. I mean, it's such an interesting mix. Oh, dude, it was amazing. But yeah, the long roundabout, I don't know the name for it, <laughs> okay. but the best meal in the world probably is, um, is is this place or Guzmani Gomez, oh, baby? Oh, God, surely, surely not. But it is funny that you described it as a vegetarian Indian place, which I think is pretty much every restaurant in India is a, is a vegetarian Indian place. So you, you've narrowed it down. You think, you think, sorry, this, this one was, a, this one, this one was, this one, yeah, this one was, you guys probably don't know this. But yeah, no, this one was a, was a strictly vegan Indian oh, okay. spot, my bad. Because we got some obviously amazing lamb and fucking chicken curries and stuff, you know, and like had some some fish deal uh, uh, meals as well. Um, but it was this place, or there's a there's a place in Paris I love called Relate Entrecote, which is a steak-free place. And they have a few locations out there. And that is the shit. I You've love really it. gone variety here. You've got tacos, Indian food, and French steak. It's a perfect restaurant. This place is called Relais d'Entrecote. It is uh, basically you have a set menu and it's like you pick your wine. It's rosé, red or white. And you get a still or a sparkling, your choice for water. They give you a salad and bread. And the salad is like a salad with like a honey mustard dressing with some walnuts. Um, and uh, you then get two servings of steak and fries. And they give you special sauce. And the servers are all women in their like 40s, 50s, and 60s, um, or maybe 30s. Sorry, queens. Um, <laughs> but they're all in the same uniform, and everybody wears the same stuff. And they give you this like heaping pile of maybe like five slices of steak, and then two, three big uh, spatulas full of uh, of fries that are just like unreal. And then they pour, they douse it in this secret sauce that they don't ever tell you what it is, and. Then they come around a second time and they give you a second serving of that. And then for dessert, you've got to get the creme brulee there. It's it's the top, 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 toppest of the world. Um, but it's usually sold out. So then you have to get like the chocolate mousse or something else. And then I usually just don't get it. But I usually also still just get it because I'm like, well, I'm here. I might as well get it, you know. But I, if you can get the – to me, the combo is rosé. It's, it's, it's you do it in the summer. So you get rosé. You have the salad. You get the two servings, creme brulee, out perfect and and then the line is it's always like an hour wait it's always an hour wait and everybody waits i i just can't imagine two servings of steak and chips like that that seems like a like an excessive amount of both steak and chips before your creme brulee dessert you would think but remember they're they're french portions it's french portions versus american or australian or anglo portions so it's not like huge yeah it's like 
it's it's small, dude. You know, it's 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 not so bad. And they they don't like the first portion's probably like five slices of steak and those two big things of fries, and the second one's probably three and a half slices of steak with maybe a one and a half portions of fries. It's the perfect amount where they, they it's the perfect amount where they still leave you hungry. It's like, uh, but but you're um, they make you still hungry to buy more food from them, not to like go eat somewhere else after. Yeah, okay. <laughs> They've got it okay, down. They're just prepping you up. Yeah, they know what they're doing. This isn't their first rodeo. Absolutely, and it won't all be right. their last. No, not at all. You have you've traveled all around the world now, um, but for the afternoon of your perfect sick day, uh, like Ferris Bueller, you're going to have an afternoon activity. So if you could do anything um, with anyone, what would you do for your perfect afternoon activity? I don't know. A quick tangent. Ferris Bueller was filmed in the city that I grew up in, in Illinois, in Highland oh, really? Park, Illinois. There was a few scenes that were filmed there, including the famous uh, car scene where he drives the car out into the ravines. That was where I grew up. Yeah. Oh, no way. That, that Surely that's like a tourist hotspot. Everyone loves, I mean, here I am saying it. I don't even like where I grew up and I never talk about it, but here I am <laughs> yeah. talking about it because it's something to yeah. talk about. Yeah. Um, yeah, oof. What would I do and with anyone? I would get the guy from Fire Festival who ran the Fire Festival <laughs> with Ja Rule yeah. and on the Pablo Escobar Island. And I would get him to throw a party on Jeffrey Epstein's island, Lil St. James. And I'd invite all my friends and we would explore and we would finally see whose names were on the flight logs. And we find yeah. out everybody who was there and what fucked up shit they were doing. And then I guess we would. Uh, end racism and solve the world's problems. Yeah. Um, I think he's just been released from prison as well, the Fire Festival guy, because I'm pretty sure he went to prison for a bit. He did, and then he was, uh, he's like running up, he's like doing a bunch, he like got into crypto, obviously, it's like you can't even, like, yeah, those two like, come on, man, you know? Yeah, yeah <laughs> make like, it pretend, exciting. Pretend you have something else going on. Yeah, he's, he's doing another festival, the uh, Fire Festival guy. I think so, right? Yeah, which, I mean, surely which I'm like, no one's going to that. I gotta check that out. <laughs> Okay, we just had the exact opposite reactions. <laughs> yeah, exactly, dude. Well, I think that's that. You're you're a perfect example of a of a logical person, and me, I'm like, yeah. mm, I don't think I've got welcomed enough chaos into my life. Let me go figure out what else I can do to fuck my life up. Yeah. So you're on this Jeffrey Epstein Island, uh, which thankfully this time it's all above board. There's definitely nothing uh, illegal happening. And you've actually, you have solved the crime and you've, you've outed all the people that were on the island. Which artists would you want to be performing at, mm. at this fire festival that is real this time? R. Kelly from prison, live, one night only. <laughs> uh, okay. So you're literally taking like the worst people in the world. You're putting them on the island. Yeah, I want R. Kelly live streaming, and it's not going to be called R. Kelly. It's going to be spelled, it's our Kelly. It's O-U-R, it's our Kelly. And then we all yeah. reclaim him and take him back. And um, it, it turns out he was actually framed by everybody in Jeffrey Epstein's <laughs> Island, too, so we can all enjoy his music, uh, conscious free. Or guilt free. When I thought you, when I thought you were ending, you know, racism and making world peace, I didn't think that the person that you would be helping the most is is R. Kelly. And look, in if that's sometimes it's the people you expect least that will come through at the end of the day and save <laughs> yeah. the world. Oh my god! You know what? At the beginning of this, you're like, should I go serious or should I, you know, buy into this a little bit? And I feel like for the most part, we were doing pretty well with the food, and and this we, we've just gone off a cliff here. We're we're really on. We're really on an island over here of just absolute absurdity. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I lied about everything in the food, and I've given you my real, honest, raw opinion for my favorite people yeah. and my favorite activities. Yeah. Oh, good. <laughs> All right. I mean, do you think this will make like anybody a... want to come to any of my shows? <laughs> I think it will make them want to come to all of the shows. I think. Chukasiki. <laughs> So, Zach Zucker, let me recap your perfect sick day to you. So, you start off in your worst job, which <laughs> ironically is being a comedian, which still astounds me. Um, then you can't actually go to work today because your dick, it's, it's on fire. I don't know how it's happened. Uh, we probably should have explored how it managed to be on fire, but I think not knowing is kind of better. It's better not to mm -hmm. know. Then you're gonna hear oh, yeah. you're gonna hear a double double song to pump you up for the day. Crip Mac never commit suicide, and I'm so blessed by Kane, uh, which is a weird combo, but it works for you. Uh -huh. uh, it's gonna be it's gonna be um, 
absolutely cutiful because we're using crip words only. Uh, so, you know, got it down pat. And then um, you're going to go um, Juanito's Tacos and get the pork and pineapple taco. Um, you know, get some salsa on that. Al pastor. Yeah. Al pastor. It's going to be delicious. And then in the afternoon, oh, God, I, I really don't want to say this, but you're, you're pushing my hand. I got to say it. You're going to go to the Fire Festival Island. Uh, they're throwing another party. He's just gotten out of jail. But this year, it's on Jeffrey Epstein's Forbidden Island. And the whole purpose is you're going to try and free our Kelly, our Kelly, and, and show that show everyone that he has done no wrongdoings. He was framed. Um, I hate everything about your perfect afternoon. <laughs> um, but how does that sound for your perfect day off? Man, I couldn't have written it better if I came up with it myself. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a real worry. Look, it's a pretty crazy day. Definitely the most rogue afternoon I think we've ever had, uh, which I love it. Uh, I couldn't have expected anything else from Jack Tucker slash Zach Zucker. But you are coming to Sydney in, in a couple of days. So I just want to shout out those shows again. You've got a stamp down show on November 17th with, honestly... Just one of the best lineups. Uh, Tom Walker, Demi Lardner, Michelle Brazer, Guy Montgomery, and of course, a stamp town on the 30th of November in Melbourne as well. Zach, thank you so much for coming on Chucking a Siki. We cannot wait to see you in Sydney and around Australia uh, for Stamp Town and all of your workshops. Um, yeah, thanks so much. Dude, thank you. Truly, I love Australia so much. I cannot wait to be there and see you guys again. I will give you a, a rare moment of sincerity right now and say that uh, I'm extremely grateful for the, um, this will be my 13th and 14th planes to and from Australia in my life. And uh, I love it every single time. Yeah. And you guys are incredible to me. And I'm very thankful as an artist that I've gotten to develop so many wonderful shows uh, down there. And that, you know, four years later, people still give a shit and want to come see it. So uh, I hope it's good. I hope you guys like it. Uh, I really love everyone there. And I can't wait to be back. And I'm really thankful that you have me on, man. I really appreciate it. I don't actually know how to respond to you now because sincerity is not something that I'm I'm used to from you. So I just, you know, I'm excited. Thank you. We can't wait to see you in Australia. Awesome. And then after party on Little St. James, Jeffrey style. Woo-woo. <laughs> <laughs> Well, there you have it. The perfect day off for Zach Zucker. Um, it's more or less what I expected. Uh, I didn't expect the wholesome content. I was surprised when he started speaking about tacos and, and was sincere. It was actually quite nice. Uh, but the afternoon, uh, probably the worst afternoon activity we've ever had, uh, a fake festival freeing R. Kelly on Jeffrey Epstein's island. Never again. Uh, I think we will have something as ludicrous and outrageous as that. But I could expect nothing less from Zach Zucker, that's for sure. Make sure to grab your tickets to see Stamptown. It's coming to Sydney this week, 17th of November, and in Melbourne on the 30th of November. Sign up for the clowning workshops in Melbourne and Sydney. And also make sure to rate, review, and subscribe and follow us on the socials, Chucking a Sicky Podcast, and join us next time for another perfect day off on Chucking a Sicky.